Research has shown that it only takes you about seven seconds to get a first impression of somebody else. And during this brief time, you'll gather all kinds of information about uh, another person. Information anywhere from their, their uh, facial appearance, their emotional state, their vocal inflection, their, their posture, and any other traits or characteristics that may stand out to you. And after this brief time, once you've gathered all of this information, you will have formed a judgment or an opinion about this person that can last for months. And the research has also shown that your first impression can be so strong of another person that even if you're presented with evidence that contradicts your initial judgment or opinion on this person, that you often won't change what you think of them. And the reason I bring this up is because as you've gotten first impressions of other people, have you maybe been led in your judgment or opinion of this person to, to determine if you think this is a person who will or will not come to faith? Let's say you come face to face with, with someone who has tattoos all over their body, wearing well-worn clothes and has an irritated expression on their face when you meet with them for the first time. Are you maybe inclined to think that this is someone who, who maybe wouldn't come to faith? Or what if you happened to meet with someone who was, was wearing nice clothes, was well-kept, and, and had a smile on their face when you talked with them the first time? Are you maybe inclined to think that this is someone who's more likely to come to faith than somebody else? The reality is that we can let our, our first impressions of, of other people really lead us to believe that they will either come to faith or they won't. But in our verses for today, we're going to see a truth which really speaks to this point. What we're going to see in our verses is that God's word is powerful. It's a powerful message that we're called to proclaim to all people because it's a message that has the power to bring anyone to faith. Now, lean up to our verses for today. And Jesus and his disciples had just had some hostile confrontations from the Pharisees in Galilee, and this caused the disciples to be somewhat concerned. It's because they knew that Jesus was the promised Messiah, and they knew that Jesus was all-powerful. But they noticed something really, once again, concerning to them, that, that out of the many people who saw Jesus perform miracles, and out of the many people who, who heard Jesus preach the gospel message, that there were many people who remained in unbelief. I mean, to the disciples, it seemed like Jesus' ministry up to this point was full of failure. And this leads to our verses for today, where Jesus teaches and explains to his disciples why there were so many who were remaining in unbelief. And he does that by telling the disciples and the crowd before him the parable of the sower. And as we look at this parable, which is an earthly story with a spiritual meaning, there's a couple things that we need to keep in mind about parables. 
the first thing that we'll keep in mind is the context in which Jesus speaks the parable, because this helps us to understand what Jesus is talking about and the main point which Jesus is trying to make. And the context is what we just talked about. The second thing that we want to keep in mind is also understanding that, that not every detail in each parable contributes to the overarching meaning or the, the main purpose. Uh, and so we make sure to look for those main details that do contribute to the, the main meaning uh, so that we don't overinterpret the parable. And the third thing we keep in mind is, is also a realization and an understanding that the only way we could understand anything in God's word is through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that God open our hearts and minds as we go through this parable. And one extra thing to consider in regards to this parable and some other ones um, as well is that in this parable, Jesus actually gives us an explanation about the four different kinds of soil that we're going to look at. Uh, and so in situations when Jesus offers an explanation, we make sure not to say anything that's contrary to what Jesus says. And so with these considerations in mind, uh, let's dive into our verses for today. We hear that on that same day, the day when they had those hostile confrontations in Galilee, Jesus was sitting by the sea when a large crowd gathered around him. So Jesus stepped into a boat, sat down, while the people stood on the shore. And he told the people many things in parables. And the very first parable he tells them is the parable of the sower. And Jesus says to the crowd before him and his disciples, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it. And Jesus explains that this soil is talking about someone who hears the word, and before they come to understand or believe it, Satan comes and snatches away what has been sown in their hearts. And so with this first kind of soil, Jesus really wants his hearers to know that there's a battle going on for the lives of all people. That God truly desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. But there are times when Satan comes and snatches the word away before the person comes to, to be fully rooted in the truth. And so it's not that God's word isn't powerful. And it's not as though God is the one who's causing someone to remain in unbelief. Rather, it's that Satan comes and snatches the word away. As the parable continues, we hear that as the sower continues going out, casting seed, uh, we hear that the second kind of soil that the seed falls onto was rocky ground where there wasn't much soil. We hear that the seed sprang up, but because the soil wasn't deep, uh, when the sun rose, the seed was scorched because it had no root and withered away. And Jesus explains that the seed on the rocky ground is talking about the person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet is not deeply rooted and will not endure. The rocky soil really pictures someone who immediately comes to, to trust, believe, and understand in the gospel message but when hardships and persecutions, which might come as a direct result of one's faith, really lead the person to turn back to unbelief. And the third kind of soil that we hear about as the sower cast seed onto soil is soil where thorns were growing. And we hear that the thorns grew up and choked the seed. And Jesus explains that this seed is one who hears the word, 
But the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it produces no fruit. And this soil, similar to the rocky soil, is, is talking about someone who initially comes to trust, believe, and understand in the message. Uh, but in this circumstance, the seed or the seed of faith gets, gets choked out and distracted when the wealth of this world leads the person astray. And the person also gets led astray. When the general worries of this world come into their lives, tearing away at the hope which the gospel message has given to them. And as we hear about these first three kinds of soil, really they can all be grouped into one category. That these first three kinds of soil are all kinds of soil that prove to be unfruitful. And while the seed that goes out into the world, or while the word that goes out into the world will often fall on bad soil, as Jesus continues, he explains what happens when the seed falls onto good soil. As Jesus says that some seed fell on good ground and produced grain, some 100 times, some 60, and some 30 times more than was sown. Now, like the first three kinds of soil, the seed that falls on the good ground produces amazing results. Meaning that there will be those who hear the message that God is forgiving the world of its sins through the work of Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit will come to trust, believe, and understand this message. Will come to trust, believe, and understand that Christ is their Savior. And Jesus also mentions that the seed on good ground produces grain. And while Jesus doesn't give us an explanation as to what this is specifically talking about, uh, what we can say is that this is talking about general fruitfulness towards God that comes as a natural result of faith being worked in one's heart. And as we look at the parable as a whole, we really see Jesus explaining to his disciples why there were so many who were remaining in unbelief. And really, he explained to his disciples and the crowd before him that the word doesn't work like a magical incantation. It's not as though Jesus and other preachers can simply proclaim the word and people who hear it will automatically and instantaneously come to faith. Well, God's word is powerful. And while God's word will never return to God empty, it will always work. But the message can be rejected and opposed and resisted. And there are going to be many times that the word falls on bad soil. And the fact that there are many times when the word will fall on bad soil, well, there's a lot for us to consider, both in regards to us being fellow sowers of the seed, and also in regards to us being soil that the seed lands on. As we first think about ourselves as fellow sowers of the seed, we learn a very humbling truth and reality. That you can be doing the right thing, going out into the world and proclaiming the gospel message far and wide. And yet there will be many who don't come to faith. There will be many who reject and oppose the message you proclaim. That just as Jesus was rejected and opposed, we can expect the same in our own lives. But this doesn't mean that we throw our hands up and, and give up. 
And this certainly doesn't mean that, that we try to play the role of judge and, and try to use earthly means to determine if we think someone is, is more or less likely to come to faith or not. Uh, first and foremost, because there is no earthly indicator to, to clue us in as to who's going to come to faith or not. Only God knows who will come to faith and who will not come to faith. And God desires for us to proclaim his gospel message to all people. Because God truly desires all people to be saved. God desires all people to hear the free invitation of the gospel message that he is forgiving the world of its sins through the work of his son. And yes, he even wants those who reject this message to hear it. As we go out and proclaim this message, one other thing to keep in mind, uh, that we do this work in complete humility and also with complete dependence on God recognizing that we are simply ones who go out and sow the word. We're simply ones who proclaim the gospel message. But God is the one who actually causes the seed of faith to grow. And maybe this gives you some comfort. And that it's not how articulate you may be or how expertly crafted you, you deliver your message. Uh, all you simply have to do is proclaim the gospel message and you can know that God is going to be there working in the hearts of those we hear this message. In fact, it's this very message that God has worked through to create and strengthen faith in your heart. And because of this, you're actually one who can be described as good soil. But why you? Well, God's word doesn't give us an answer to the question of why some are saved and not others. So we simply trust that God knows what he's doing. And we recognize the fact that, that the reason or the, the reality that God saves anybody is an amazing display of his gracious and loving heart because really there's nobody who deserves to be saved. That it's not as though you or I are, are born with a, a predisposition that makes us more likely to come to faith or not. And it's not as though you or I prepared ourselves in any way to be ones who would be more likely to come to faith or not. And really, as we think about it, we're all born as bad soil. Born with sinful natures that make us enemies of God opposed to anything that has to do with Him. And the only reason you or I could ever come to faith was by the power of God working through his word. It was God working at your baptism, working through the water connected to the word where you were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, where God worked through this very word to wash away all of your sins, to make you his own dear child, to plant and create faith in your heart and to connect you to the life death, and resurrection of Christ. And as you have continued to remain connected to the word, God has continued to nourish your faith, strengthening your trust in all of his promises, strengthening your trust in his promise to forgive you all of your sins through the work of Christ, and strengthening your trust in his promise to give you everlasting life in heaven. All of this given freely and fully to you because God has worked faith into your heart. 
And maybe one quick tangent as we think about faith, um, that we, as a Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod Church, uh, say that we are saved by faith alone, uh, but what do we actually mean by that? Why can we say we're saved by faith? And it's not as though faith is such a meritorious work that, that we do, and that's the reason we're saved. The reason we can say we're saved by faith is because of what our faith does. That our God-given faith connects us to the very one who gave his very own life on the cross to forgive you all of your sins. What your faith does is receives the blessings which Christ has fully and freely won you through his life, death, and resurrection. So it's not as though your faith is this meritorious work. Your faith saves you because of Christ. And so we keep that in mind, that the, any reason, the reason that anyone can say they're saved is always because of Christ. And we say that we're saved by faith because our faith connects us to Christ and receives the blessings which he has fully and freely won for us. And so with that in mind, uh, we also see that it's, it's through the word that God also strengthens your trust in the power of his almighty word. Um, so that no matter who you may come into contact with, and no matter what your first impression of people may be, you can know that the only way this person in front of you in any given moment will ever come to faith is through the powerful word of God, the word which God will work through to create and strengthen faith in the hearts of those who hear it. And you can proclaim this message in confidence, knowing that God will always work amazing things. Amen.